The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. For our scripture reading this morning, we're going to be in John chapter number 6. Let's read verse number 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We're going to pray, and this morning, Pastor is going to come and preach a message entitled, I Am the Bread. Welcome here to Ambassador Baptist Church on this Sunday morning. We are starting a brand new series of messages today that will take us all the way through the Thanksgiving season. And we're going to be looking at the I Ams of Jesus Christ found in the Gospel of John. And so throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ makes seven declarations as to who he was. And he uses the form of metaphor and narrative and imagery to try to help us as finite humanity really get a grasp as to who Jesus is for us spiritually. Because the reality is this, God is so big and God is so vast and God is just so overwhelming that sometimes our human finite thinking can have a hard time getting our heads, our brains around who he truly is for us spiritually. And so Jesus Christ often described himself using metaphors, uh, using imagery, Uh, using narrative to help us with finite thinking to really get our heads, our brains, our thinking around who Jesus Christ is for us in a spiritual realm. So if you are here today, you're here for the very first sermon in this eight-week series simply entitled, I Am Jesus. And if you're here today, you have the opportunity of not missing a single one. So I want to encourage you just to kind of uh, commit to being a part of this particular series as we seek to unwrap, uncover, uh, discover who Jesus Christ is for us as believers. As I mentioned a moment ago, this series will take us all the way through uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, how many of you, how many of you, you enjoy uh, Thanksgiving Day for everything that it represents and, of course, some of the trappings on the side with the good food. Uh, how many of you enjoy the football on Thanksgiving? And so that's always a fun time. And uh, I find that there's basically two groups when it comes to Thanksgiving. You can kind of get interactive with me. Let me know what type of group you find yourself in. There are those people who on Thanksgiving, uh, they go to wherever they're going to be spending the day and there are a lot of appetizers out and a lot of food and they're the types who just seem to kind of munch throughout the day, you know, and as you're watching football, you're eating the chips and the crackers and the dip and all that kind of stuff, and you just kind of eat throughout the day, and then finally when the dinner comes, you know, it's almost like you're kind of half full, but it looks so good that you dive into it anyways, and there are those folks, and and then on the flip side, there are a few, I think it's more of a minority, these folks just tend to like know, hey, the Thanksgiving meal is coming, it's going to be good, and I am, I'm not going to eat a thing until that turkey is set out on the table, and then I'll enjoy some dessert afterwards. So by raise of hands, how many of you would say, I fall more in the first category, I kind of grazing all day, and then I eventually get to the meal, and I get to the place where I'm just totally stuffed. Raise your hand if that's like you. All right. Now on the other side, how many of you, you like to wait until the meal, you might eat some afterwards, but you're going to wait until that meal, so you're really hungry, ready to go. How many in that category? Raise your hand. All right. So we're about... 
half and half here. And so if, if you're like me, though, regardless of what category you find yourself in, the, the reality is this. There comes a point, and, and maybe we have some real strong disciplined people here, but there comes a point, and this, maybe this is just me, but you get somewhere in the late afternoon, early evening of Thanksgiving, and you are just absolutely stuffed. Like, there is the point where you're full and you're satisfied, and then you push the envelope a little bit more to where it's literally agony. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you are, you've got so much food inside of yourself, you are literally in agony. Anybody, okay, am I the only one, or anybody else get there as well, all right? Me and Steve, all right, very, very good. And uh, just, man, you just, it's like, and you don't know when to stop, and, and by the time your body tells you to stop, it's like too late. You know, it's, it's over with, and you're just stuffed. You are absolutely, here's the word I like to use, just satisfied. Now what we're going to look at today is Jesus Christ uses a metaphor here in the Gospel of John chapter number 6. And this is the narrative, this is the imagery, this is the symbolism, this is the metaphor, the first metaphor that Jesus Christ is going to use when he tries to help us in the Gospel of John understand who he is to believers who he is to those who put their faith and their trust and their confidence in him to be their personal Lord and Savior. And the first I am found here in the Gospel of John is where Jesus declares himself to be the bread. And we find in the text we just read a moment ago, John chapter number 6, verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread. We're going to dive into the implications of that statement here in just a moment. But as he starts out these I am's through the Gospel of John, he starts with a metaphor that tries to get us to fully grasp that in the person of Christ, in Jesus, there is satisfaction. Notice at the end of the verse where he says, He that cometh to me, notice this, shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So today I want to talk a little bit about this subject of finding full satisfaction, finding fulfillment, finding contentment, finding deep peace in an all-sufficient Savior. How do we as Christians come to a place where we find that in the person of Christ, in our relationship with him, where literally we can get to a place where we are saying, I am so satisfied. I am so content. I am so fulfilled. I literally feel like I'm stuffed on Jesus. How do we get there? Before we move any further, I want to just take a quick moment as way of introduction to talk a little bit about some of the things that people look for satisfaction in. You see, in the day and age in which we live, there are people who are looking to stuff themselves. They're looking to find ultimate satisfaction. They're looking to find fulfillment. They're looking to find peace and contentment in something other than an all-sufficient Savior. And in the day and age in which we live, this is everywhere. But I will say this, while it exists in the world in which we live in today, it is not a new problem. For those of you who will remember, in the Old Testament, there was a very wise and very wealthy man by the name of Solomon. 
All right, in the book of Solomon, as a wise man, he wrote out Proverbs to his son to help him uh, move and navigate through life. But in his book, Ecclesiastes, he begins to talk about the reality of things that do not satisfy. You see, Solomon, as a king, he was, so, he was incredibly powerful. He could have whatever he wanted to have. As an incredibly rich individual, he could buy whatever he wanted to buy. Because of his position, he could experience whatever he wanted to experience. And so as you study his biography, you realize that this man was loaded when it came to money. When it came to power, I mean, there were kings and queens that would bow before him. When it came to the experiences of life, there was nothing that he had to keep from himself. He could experience any pleasure. He could experience any amount of possessions. Anything his heart desired, Solomon could attain. And yet as you study through the book of Ecclesiastes, he begins to list all the things that didn't satisfy him. He literally had the opportunity to try everything out. I mean, here was a man, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Here he lived in a beautiful, uh, literally mansion-like castle of a, of, a, of a place. It was just unbelievable, the amount of possessions that he had. In any realm that people might say, I wonder if there's satisfaction in this, I wonder if there's satisfaction in that, Solomon had the opportunity to try it out. And I noticed some things as I studied the book of Ecclesiastes that he looked for satisfaction in. There were times where he looked for satisfaction in riches. In riches. But here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 verse 10. Solomon says, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance will be satisfied with increase. This is also vanity. And so Solomon's saying, you think you can find satisfaction in money? You think if you keep pursuing riches, you keep thinking that you pursue a larger 401k, that somehow there is a point where that will ultimately satisfy. And Solomon is saying, it doesn't matter how much you accumulate. It doesn't matter how much you get in your bank accounts. It doesn't matter how full your 401k gets. There is never a point where the heart says, I'm stuffed. <laughs> I'm full, I'm satisfied, I'm content because money and riches do not have the capacity to satisfy and fulfill the human soul. We were created to feast on something greater. So, Proverbs chapter 23 verse 5 says this, Riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. How many of you can identify with this? You're like, yep, that happens to me all the time. I look at my money, I get it put in my bank on Friday every other week, and like before I know it, it has made itself wings. It has flown away. Anybody else had that experience before? And that's what the Bible teaches here. Basically, Solomon's trying to say, hey, there is not ultimate satisfaction. There is not ultimate fulfillment in money. There's never a point where you're going to be like, I'm stuffed, I'm full, I'm satisfied, I'm content. Money does not have the capacity to... To accomplish satisfaction in the human soul. So, Solomon moves on to relationships and romance. 
with 700 wives and 300 mistresses, he began to look for satisfaction in the sensual pleasures of life. And maybe he thought to himself that if it's not in money, maybe it can be found in, in another arena of life. And if anybody had the opportunity to play that out, it would have been Solomon. In Ecclesiastes, he said, I said in mine heart, go to now and enjoy thy pleasures. And what did he say when it was all over? And behold, this too is vanity. He's saying it, it ultimately doesn't satisfy. It ultimately doesn't fulfill. It's not what brings peace and contentment. There's never a moment where the heart says, when it's experiencing pleasures of that kind, I'm stuffed. Because that type of pleasure was never designed to give the human soul ultimate satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment. So then he moves on here to recreation. And let me see if doing this or doing that in the day and age in which we live in modern America, we have access to all kinds of recreation and all kinds of pleasure. And in the day and age in which we live, people begin to put their ultimate hope and their ultimate satisfaction seeking for this pleasure and seeking for that recreation. And in and of themselves, they're not always bad. But when your heart, is anchoring your hope for ultimate satisfaction in some recreation, in some pleasure, in some activity. It's going to let your heart down every single time because recreation was not designed to bring ultimate fulfillment to the human heart. You were created for something more. You were created to be satisfied by something greater. Some people look for it, believe it or not, in religion. They think if, if they can just do enough for God, if they can just serve enough, if, if they could just make God happy enough, if they could just you know, give enough or serve enough or sacrifice enough or accomplish enough or go to church enough or help enough people that at some point in their religious endeavors doing something for God and the world around them, that that act will at some point make them feel worthy. At some point, if I can just help enough people, if I can just counsel enough families, if, if I can just read enough of the Bible, if I can just pray a little bit more, if I can just appease God in some greater way, that ultimately in what I do for God, my heart will be satisfied. And I want to say this, that ultimate satisfaction is not found in what you attempt to do for God. There's a place for it. Just like there's a place for recreation. Just like there's a place for riches. But it is not designed, your attempts to do something for God does not have the capacity to ultimately satisfy and fulfill the deepest longings of your heart. That's not what it was created to do. You know where some people look for satisfaction and fulfillment? In revenge. Because there was that person in their past. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a parent Maybe it was a coworker, and that individual did them dirty. And so in their heart, they think, if I could just get back, if, if God could just take care of them once and for all, and, and maybe it was an ex-spouse. Maybe it was that family member who said they'd always be there for you, and then they weren't. 
And so it brings you to this point where if, if God would just deal with them, if I, if I could just get my revenge, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be fulfilled. Then I would be content. If they could just get what they're, what's coming to them, and if God could use me as an instrument of that you know, judgment and wrath upon their life, I could be satisfied. I'm here to say this. Revenge does not satisfy. Revenge does not have the capacity to ultimately fulfill and bring uh, satisfaction and contentment and peace to the heart. It's not what revenge was designed to do. The Bible says, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. I'll take care of it. I'll repay. That is God's department. Other people look for satisfaction in success. Man, if I can just get this promotion at my workplace... If I can just get my business to this point, and, and you've anchored your hope for satisfaction, you've anchored your hope for ultimate fulfillment, you've anchored your hope for uh, 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 just kind of peace and contentment, you've anchored it to some I- idea of success that you've created in your mind. If I, can just, if I could just finish school, if I could just start a business... If I could just get this promotion, if I could just be making this much money, if I could just have this many things, and you have anchored your hope for satisfaction and fulfillment into a certain level of success that you have created in your own mind. And I just want to simply say this, there is no level of success, there is no rung on the ladder, so to say. There is no amount of money, no amount of possessions, no amount of uh, heightened position that will ultimately fulfill and satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. All of it's an illusion. All of it's, uh, all of it's fake. It's drawing you forward. It's an illusion. It promises to give you satisfaction. Well, if you just get a little bit more money, if you just get a little bit more position, if you can just grow your business a little bit more, it always leads you on, tempting you to believe that if you'll just get to that point, it will satisfy. But it doesn't. Because there is nothing on this earth that can satisfy the deepest longings of the heart. Some people look for ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in a specific lifestyle. Well, if I just had this lifestyle... If I had that lifestyle, if I, if I could just live this way, or if I could live that way, if I could live like that person lives, or live like those people live, if I could have that lifestyle, if I could be like that person, then I could be satisfied. And we anchor our hopes for fulfillment and satisfaction in something other than the person of Jesus. And I'm going to say this, there is no hope, there is no satisfaction, there is no peace found in any of these things. And as we're going to see here in a moment, satisfaction is ultimately found in something greater and in something bigger. I think they're going to throw this on the screens. If you look for satisfaction in the situations, locations, and relationships of this fallen world, you will get this, always be disappointed. To be fully satisfied, a person must have a source of fulfillment which is not dependent on anything in this world. Leave it there for just a moment. Here's why riches and recreation and religion and revenge and relationship and success and a specific lifestyle, the reason none of that will ultimately satisfy your heart, why it won't bring you an ultimate sense of fulfillment is because literally we, it's all earthly, and there is nothing on this earth that can ultimately satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Let's keep moving on- onward. 
So don't let your fulfillment depend on something you may lose. And don't let your hope for satisfaction depend on something that you may never attain. There's only one who ultimately satisfies, and his name is Jesus. Not riches, not romance, not religion, not recreation, not revenge, not success, not a particular lifestyle. Jesus and Jesus alone is all that can ultimately and fully satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, the deepest longings of your soul and so how do we functionally experience that as believers because if i were to ask for a raise of hands right now there might be some who say academically intellectually cognitively cerebrally i understand that jesus is my satisfaction however experientially functionally in the day-to-day practical outflowing of your daily life you don't experience it you know it in your head But it's not the regular experience of your heart. So how do we get it from being a head thing to being something we joyfully experience where tomorrow we find joy in the person of Christ, where we find satisfaction and we find fulfillment in Christ? And that's what we're going to unpack today. Notice what he says. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I want to say this, Jesus is the only one who can save us, and Jesus is the only one who can satisfy us. He's our salvation, and he's our satisfaction, which brings us to our first thought this morning, and that is simply this, Christ is our satisfaction, not riches, not romance, not relationships, not religion, not revenge, not success, not a particular lifestyle. None of those things can ultimately satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Only Jesus fully satisfies. Only those who come to Jesus can be able to say, I'll never hunger and I'll never thirst for I am fully satisfied. Christ is our satisfaction. Here's what Isaiah chapter number 58 verse 11 says. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. I love this next part. Notice it's underlined there, and satisfy thy soul. It's the Lord that satisfies. He'll do it in drought when things aren't going well. He'll make thy fat thy bones. You say, I don't know that I want my bones fat. (laughs) I, I think there's metaphor being used here. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. There will be this constant source of satisfaction, this constant spring of fulfillment, this constant outflowing of peace and contentment, regardless of the drought you're going through. You say, I'm going through a drought in my relationship. Well, Jesus can satisfy. You say, I'm going through a drought in my career. Well, Jesus can satisfy. You say, I'm going through a drought, you know, in my business. And I want to say, Jesus can satisfy. You say, I'm going through a drought spirit. I just don't feel like I'm, I'm saying Jesus, even in that state, he can ultimately satisfy. You say, how does he satisfy? The reason is because the Bible declares of all who Christ is. In John chapter number 6, verse 51, Christ declares himself to be bread to the hungry. In John chapter number 4, verse 10, Christ declares himself to be water to the thirsty. In Psalms chapter number 28, and verse number 7, Christ declares himself to be strength to the weak. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 3, Christ declares 
declares himself to be comfort to the hurting. In Romans chapter number 15, verse 13, Christ declares himself to be hope to the hopeless. In Romans chapter number 15 and verse number 33, Christ declares himself to be peace to the stressed. In Nehemiah chapter number 8 and verse number 10, Christ declares himself to be joy to the brokenhearted. In 1 John chapter number 4 and verse number 8, Christ declares himself to be love to the neglected. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 30, Christ declares himself to be wisdom to the seeker. In 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 9, Christ declares himself to be forgiveness to the guilty. In Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 5, Christ declares him to be present to the lonely. In Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 4, Christ declares himself to be life to the apathetic. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 verse 30, Christ is righteousness to the sinner. Now here's what I want you to get about this. As you study those passages that I just mentioned, God does more than express these realities. If you go back and you read from this list, you will find that Christ doesn't say, I give these things. It's not like Christ is saying, I'm giving strength, or I'm giving comfort, or I'm giving hope, I'm giving love, I'm giving wisdom, I'm giving life, I'm giving righteousness. No, that's not what it says at all. As you read these passages, you will find that God does more than just express these realities. He is, by definition, in these passages, the the very essence, the very embodiment of these realities. Do you get the difference? It's not like God's in heaven saying, hey, I will give you this. He is saying, I am in heaven and I am this. I am love, First John tells us. Oh, he tells us, I am wisdom. There is no love. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is no hope apart from Jesus. The true essence of all of these realities is God himself. Notice this, Jesus can't dissect himself from these realities any more than water can disconnect itself from wetness. It's impossible. God doesn't just express these realities. God embodies these realities. He is the essence of these realities. Here's where the secular world gets it wrong. They're saying, I want, I want love and I want peace, and I want joy, but I just don't want Jesus. It's like saying I want to dive into a bunch of water and not get wet. It's impossible. It can't be done. You can't disconnect the one from the other. My friend, if there were something more satisfying, if there were something more fulfilling, if there were something that could bring more contentment and more peace than Jesus himself, he would have given us that. Because that's how much your God loves you. If he could have given you something better than himself, he would have. I I say all that to say this. To abide with God is to abide in love. To commune with God is to commune in peace. To experience wisdom is to experience Christ. To come to a place where you're saturating yourself in Christ is to saturate yourself in joy. You see, you can't saturate yourself in Christ and and experience Christ and, and commune with Christ without also in turn experiencing all that he is in his essence. This is why Romans 8 tells us, God has given us all things in Christ. 
Wow. Why, why can the Bible say that? He's given us all things in Christ because in Christ is the embodiment and the essence of all these things. See, a lot of people want to come to church and you want me to tell you, pastor, tell me how to get happy. Tell me how to find joy. Give me, give me three steps to being happier this week at work. I got one step, Jesus. You say, that doesn't make sense to me. And that's why we're here. See, a lot of churches will say, well, you know what? Come to Jesus and you'll be happy and come to Jesus and you'll get peace and come to Jesus and you'll get love. I'm going to say, come to Jesus and get Jesus. And then as a byproduct of that, all these things shall be added unto you. Not because you're seeking them, but because that's how good and gracious our God is. We come to Jesus to get Jesus. That's why Romans 8 says, God has given us all things. How? In Christ. In Christ. Today, this morning, your heart craves satisfaction. If you're sitting here right now, you may be looking for that satisfaction in your career. You may be looking for satisfaction in a relationship. You might be looking for satisfaction in romance, possibly even illicit romance. You might be looking for satisfaction in a hundred things smaller than Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you, it ultimately will not satisfy. The question is, where will you look for your fulfillment this week? Where are you going to look for it? Are you going to look for satisfaction in the gift or in the giver? Are you going to look for fulfillment in the provision or in the provider? Are you going to look for contentment in the creation or the creator? And so we have all these people anchoring their hopes for fulfillment and satisfaction and you're anchoring it to a job and you're anchoring it to amount of money and you're anchoring it to a career and you're anchoring it to a particular lifestyle or a level of success that you have created in your head. And I'm here to tell you it will not satisfy the Bible says it, it's like, a, it's like a, a pitcher with holes. You try to fill it up and the satisfaction just keeps running out. It doesn't satisfy. I'm here to remind you today that there is nothing that will ultimately satisfy your heart like the person of Jesus Christ. The only one who can permanently satisfy your heart is the one who created it. Not your spouse. Your spouse cannot satisfy you. Stop making them try. And your church family can't ultimately satisfy you. Stop making them try. And your pastor can't ultimately satisfy you. So stop making him try. And your boss cannot ultimately satisfy you. So stop making those demands upon him. There is nothing in this fallen world that can satisfy but for the name of Jesus. He alone is your fulfillment and he alone is your hope. Not a standard of living, not an amount of money in the bank, not a particular lifestyle, not a particular romance or relationship. Nothing but the name of Jesus can satisfy. Christ alone is all you need for ultimate satisfaction. He is your, get this, all-sufficient Savior. Write that in the front of your Bible. Christ is my all-sufficient Savior. Christ is my all-sufficient Savior. My Savior will not be found in how much money I make. My Savior will not be found in how good my relationships get. My Savior won't be found in how far I can climb up the success ladder. My Savior won't be found in anything smaller than the person of the resurrected Savior. He is your hope. He is your satisfaction. He is your fulfillment. He is your, get this, all 
self-sufficient Savior and to look to anything else smaller than Jesus for satisfaction is to look for hope in something that ultimately cannot satisfy. Let's keep reading. He says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Notice those two words, never. You see, Christ here is giving us a promise, a spiritual reality that is. We talked about this last week. This promise is true in the spiritual realm. It is a fact in the heavenlies. He is your satisfaction so that you never need to hunger and so that you never need to thirst. And so what we already possess in the heavenlies, we need to get to a place where we are experiencing in the here and in the now. And so let's unpack this for a moment. This brings us to our next thought, and that is this. Not only is Christ our satisfaction because he is bread, but notice he alone is enough. Let that sink in. He alone is enough. Until you find all your satisfaction in Jesus, until you find all your fulfillment in Jesus, everything else will disturb you. The more money you make will just make you that much more, ah! And the experiences that you experience will still haunt your soul because at the end of the day, until we get to a place where we find our fulfillment and our satisfaction in Christ alone, everything else falls short. Can I, can I say this? If you struggle with this idea that Jesus is enough, if you struggle with the idea that Jesus could somehow be your ultimate satisfaction, if you're a teenager here and you struggle with the reality that somehow Jesus Christ could provide ultimate fulfillment for your life and and you just struggle with that and you find your heart yearning for something else, I'm, I'm here to say then possibly we need to start getting to know who Jesus is just a little bit more. And if you struggle to realize that he is our fulfillment, it's not because he's not that. It's because you don't understand him or believe him to be that. Here's what Colossians chapter number two, verse 10 says. The Bible says, and you are complete in him. Everything you need for satisfaction is found in the person of Jesus. And so if right now you're, there's a yearning, a craving in your heart for something, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. Whatever it is that the world, the flesh, and the devil is leading you to believe will fulfill that is an illusion. And will take you down a path that will ultimately bring you more hurt. Because you already are complete. You don't need more money to feel complete. You don't need a better position at work to make your self-image bolstered, to convince yourself, I am somebody. You don't, you're complete. You are already somebody in Christ. And you don't need a position on the org chart. You don't need amount of money in the bank. You don't need a particular type of relationship. You don't even need your spouse to behave in a certain way in order for you to be complete. You're complete. You're complete in Christ. 
When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they enter into an all-sufficient relationship with an all-sufficient Savior. Now, let me give you a little equation. I'm going to throw this up on the screens, and we're going to wind this thing down. Some of you, I've used this before, but I want you to see this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You see, and I'm going to just speak from my own heart. If I'm not careful, I'll begin to try to convince myself that I need Jesus plus something else to be satisfied. And we all kind of do this, don't we? Well, I need Jesus plus my circumstances to be different in order to be satisfied. I need Jesus plus my financial status to improve, to be satisfied. Yeah, I need Jesus, but I need Jesus plus. And you are believing an illusion that is going to take you down a very unhealthy path. There's nothing wrong with following something as the Spirit leads, but when there's a craving, when there's a desire, when there's a belief that you need a different position, a different amount of money, a different life circumstance in order to be satisfied and fulfilled, you have followed an illusion. If we're not careful, we begin to convince ourselves that we need Jesus plus our our spouse to change, to be satisfied. We need Jesus plus our job position to be different in order to be satisfied. We need Jesus plus a more comfortable life to be satisfied. We need Jesus plus better skills and abilities to be satisfied. We need Jesus plus this and Jesus plus that and Jesus plus those things. I need Jesus plus in order to be satisfied. The moment you add plus to Jesus, it's idolatry. And you and I fall into sin the moment we add plus anything. You say, is money wrong? No. Our relationship's wrong, no. But the moment we start believing in our head and in our heart, we need that to be different or we need it to be better or I can't be happy. I can't have joy. I can't have peace. I can't be satisfied. And you're a miserable wreck to everybody around you because there's something that you don't have. You have believed an illusion because there is satisfaction and there is peace in the person of Jesus. When we start convincing ourselves, however, that we need Christ plus something else to feel satisfied, fulfilled, and content, we limit our ability to experience the satisfaction that is already ours in Christ. And this is why this is so big. Because the moment you add plus anything, I need Jesus plus a spouse, for those of you who are single, to be happy. I need Jesus plus more money to be what I'm meant to be. I need Jesus plus a different job. I need Jesus plus, and and you have convinced yourself that that is what you ultimately need in order to be satisfied and fulfilled. I'm going to say this. What you have now done is you have now limited your ability to experience all of your fulfillment and all of your satisfaction in the person of Jesus alone. And that is why this is so dangerous. Because you've allowed yourself to believe that you need something more. I need my past to be different in order to be at peace now. I need my future to be different in order to ultimately be happy. And you and I, when we do that, believe lies. I want to say this right now. I hope you'll receive it in faith. 
You've been given everything you need in Christ, and it's already yours. And the longer you search other places and other positions and other people, and you anchor your hope for satisfaction and fulfillment somewhere out there, and you don't realize that you already have it in you right now in the person of Christ, you fail. You literally sabotage the only thing that can bring you satisfaction. And that's why this is so dangerous. Because some of you, in your quest for satisfaction, are destroying the very hope that you have for satisfaction because you're anchoring that hope to something other than Jesus. And so in your pursuit for fulfillment and your pursuit for satisfaction and your pursuit for happiness, you forget that it's already yours right here, right now. And the enemy keeps you distracted and disillusioned and disappointed dangling the proverbial carrot out in front of you without telling you that you are complete. Right here, right now, in Christ. No more money, no more positional, you know, none of this or that. You can be happy right now. Your heart can be filled with gratitude right here, right now. You can have fulfillment and contentment right here, right now, in the midst of the marriage that you currently have, in the midst of the job you currently have, with the amount of money you currently have. That's not to say God might not give you more money. Praise God when he does. That's not even saying that God might not give you a greater house. Praise God when he does, or a nicer car. God does those things. But the moment your heart begins to believe that you need that in order to be present, in order to be happy, in order to be satisfied, in order to be fulfilled, in order to be something later on, you've allowed the enemy to lie to yourself, and you miss out on the very hope that you have for satisfaction. And that's by believing and having confidence and trust that everything you need you've got now but some of us are training our brains to think i need more friends i need more money i need more people to like me i need more this i need more of that and the entire time you are literally destroying the foundation for where your satisfaction is and that's an understanding it's you've got it <laughs> stop searching for it and start just believing that it's yours you are complete you're complete. Anytime we begin to feel we need something other than Christ for satisfaction, something more than Christ for fulfillment, we make the power of Christ of none effect in that situation, Romans chapter number 14. This is why it's so dangerous, because your heart lies to you. I like Jesus, and when Jesus gives me this, then I'll really like him. <laughs> that was my Mickey Mouse impression, I had to like that. <laughs> And you have believed a lie. And that lie is sabotaging any hope that you have for satisfaction right here, right now, in the present situation, in the present circumstances, in this present moment. And if you are not satisfied right now, and you are not fulfilled right now, and you are not content right now, now and right here, I'm telling you, it's not because you don't possess the satisfaction. It's because you have failed to appropriate it by faith. It's already yours in the heavenlies. It's already been given to you. It's yours. 
Something else you have to do. You can have it right here, right now. Just believe it by faith. Faith is the victory, the Bible says, that overcometh the world. Christ alone is all you need for your ultimate satisfaction. He is your all-sufficient Savior. I want to say this again. Christ is your satisfaction, and he is enough. If you don't get anything else, get this. You can walk out these doors 100% fulfilled. Right now in your seat, you could believe Christ and say, I am happy. Because your joy is not found in your circumstances. Your joy is not found in what happens. Your joy is rooted deeply in something that cannot be taken away. And his name is Jesus. And yet the enemy comes along and tells you, well, you got to do this. You got to have that. You got to be those things and then you'll really be satisfied. And he dangles the proverbial carrot and keeps you from experiencing what is already yours in the person of Jesus. John 6, 35, and Jesus says, I am Present tense, I am the bread. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Psalms 34, verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. You say, what do you want us to walk out doing? I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to taste it, to experience it, to know it for yourself that in this present moment, in this present reality, in smack dab in the middle of what you're experiencing right here and right now, he is good. Taste that he is satisfying. Taste that he is fulfilling. Taste that he is enough. Taste that he is contentment and he is love and he is joy and stop believing that you need something else, somewhere else, with someone else in order to experience the reality that has already been granted to you in the person of Jesus. Stop believing the lies and anchor your faith to the hope, the reality that everything you need for satisfaction and fulfillment is already yours. On Thanksgiving evening, we're all going to be pretty stuffed. How many of you are, you, can, you're like, you got that prophecy? You're like, oh, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to be pretty stuffed. You know what's going to be crazy, though? You will be so stuffed, it will, be, it will hurt But you know what you're going to do the next morning? You're going to eat again. (laughs) Like what? How many of you are like, maybe I'm the only one, like like turkey for breakfast is only done the day after Thanksgiving. Maybe it's just me. You're going to eat again. Here's my point. I tasted that Jesus was really good two years ago. It was awesome. I went to this retreat and this conference. It was wow. And I realized Jesus was awesome. It was, it was so fulfilling. And I was stuffed on Jesus. So satisfied and fulfilled and content. Oh, that retreat, that, that conference. Oh, that revival. Woo, it was, oh, I taste, I saw that he was good. And have you taken a bite lately? Well, since then, I've been looking for it in my career. And I've been looking for it in money. And I've been... You know why you're fulfilled? Because you tasted and saw that he was good. 
You don't just eat once a year at Thanksgiving. You're, most of us do it pretty much every day. I hear some of you do it more than once a day. Why? Because that's what we do. We realize it is central to our survival, central to our satisfaction. I'm telling you like you eat on the bread of this world and the food that this earth has to offer, so can I encourage you to taste, to experience for yourself, not once a year, not even once a week, not even once a day, but every day, multiple times a day, feast on the presence of Christ. Recognize Christ in the now, Christ in the here, Christ in the present, Christ for your joys and Christ for your pains. He is sufficient. Taste and see again and again, moment after moment, that he is enough. How? How do I do this? You just come to a place. You say, how do I experience full satisfaction? It's simple. It's faith. By simply remembering you already have it in Christ. I, I know this doesn't sound like, Pastor, give us, give us five tips that I can do. You want religion. Let me, give you, let me give you some gospel. Let me give you some Jesus. No, three steps will be better. Yeah, because you, you'll, you'll think you can manufacture it on your own. Here's what I'm telling you. You don't need three steps. You need to be reminded. You need to remember. You need your confidence stirred and your, tr- your trust awakened to the reality that you've already got it. No amount of riches, romance, relationships, recreation, or revenge will ultimately satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. You have it right here. You have it right now. And you experience it by simple trust. By believing what Jesus said in John 16, I am the bread. By simply believing that reality to be true. And go out and experience it. Here in this passage, he's telling us, I am Jesus. I am the bread. I am all you need to experience full satisfaction. So what do you add to the list? Jesus plus, what is the blank for you? Because whatever that blank is for you is the very thing that's keeping you from experiencing satisfaction in the here and now. Jesus plus blank more money than it's it's the pursuit of more money that is keeping you from experiencing satisfaction in the here and now jesus plus a different spouse than it is your lust and desire for a different spouse that is keeping you right here right now from experiencing full satisfaction in christ jesus plus my career to do better then your desire, your craving for your career to be better is that thing that's keeping you from experiencing Christ in the here and now. Guess what? When you, when you just find all your satisfaction in Christ, it's amazing some of those things happen. You'll get more money possibly. Life situations may change. You'll, you might get the better car and the better house, but here's what's crazy. You'll get it, and it won't matter as much to you. Because you're already satisfied. And as the old songwriter said, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and his grace. Why don't you have it? Because you've stopped remembering that it's already yours. Stir that remembrance. Stir that faith up tomorrow at work. And tomorrow evening when you're talking with your spouse. And Thursday evening when you're going through your checkbook ledger. And Friday night when you're walking through the mall. And Saturday morning when you're on the car lot. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.